Right, if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis 1, uh, verse 27 and 28. So we're doing this series of teaching called What is the Gospel? I thought I was going to conclude two weeks ago, but I felt like uh, I wanted to do one more. There's a lot more to be said about this topic. It's just that I only get, you know, 30 to 40 minutes with you every Sunday. And so I want to uh, I have some other things that I want to move us on to. But these are fundamental things about Christianity. And understanding these things will set you up for success as a Christian. And so um, some fundamental things that we talked about were that the gospel is the good news of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and what he made possible for us now. And we talked about three things that he did. First of all, um, we talked about that we're right with God by faith, not by our works, not by our performance, but by our faith in Jesus. Then we talked about the fact that we're a new creation. And so that means that your nature has really been changed. You aren't an old sinner anymore. If you've accepted Jesus, you're, you've been made a new creation. And so uh, it's important that you know that so that you'll act like it. Uh, Paul said in Romans 6, didn't anybody tell you essentially that you're a new person? And the problem with a lot of Christians is nobody's told them that, <laughs> that they're a new person. And then last week we talked about that all of our sins have been forgiven. Uh, once and for all by Jesus, and or excuse me, two weeks ago. And so you don't need to go through some religious ritual every time you sin and fail uh, because your sins have already been paid for. How many of you know that's good news? Amen. Well, what I want to talk to you about this morning is something that I, I'm really excited about this. I think this is really powerful. I knew this, uh, but I, I'd never seen it as clearly in the Word as I have the past few weeks. And I was very excited to get to talk to you about it this morning. To get to my point, I only have, I've only been making a point a week. So, but to get to my point, I've got to take you on a little bit of a journey. Uh, if you have the notes, I'll try to fill in the blanks as we go. Uh, giving the notes makes me a little nervous because if it's me, I have a tendency to read the notes and not listen to the guy that's talking. So uh, just make a co covenant with me. If you like the notes, then please also listen to me. Don't just read what's what's on the paper, okay? So uh, the gospel is really about God making a payment so that humanity could be restored from its fallen state. In the, in the garden, which we'll read in just a moment, Adam and Eve sinned, and uh, they started humanity down a path of, of negative things coming into the earth. And so when Jesus died, it was a lot about restoring us back to what happened in the garden, God's original intent for creation. Actually, you can make a good argument, and I would agree with this, that what Jesus did for us has taken us to a place and will take us to a place that's superior to what Adam and Eve had in the garden. But anyway, does it make sense to you that that plays out progressively? What I mean by that is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus made this payment, but it's still having its effect today. Every time somebody accepts Jesus, it's not that... Jesus went and made a new payment or a new sacrifice. It's that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago is, is now finding expression in, a, in one more person's life. Okay? So Jesus paid for things, but that doesn't mean that they're all fully accomplished yet. Okay? That'll be important for you to understand my point that I'm going to make. But I want to take you on a little bit of a journey here about what happened to us um, through sin. So in the garden, Adam and Eve uh, were right with God. How many of you 
understand that. So when Jesus died, he, he restored us to right standing with God. So he put us back where Adam and Eve were. Secondly, uh, they had a godly nature. They didn't have a sin nature when God created them. And again, when Jesus died, when we accept Jesus, he made us a new creation, taking us back to how Adam and Eve were. And then uh, finally, they weren't, they'd never sinned, thank God. Well, the word justified, if you want an easy way to remember what it means, it's just as if I'd never sinned. So when, when Jesus died, again, he took you back to what Adam and Eve had. Well, Adam and Eve had something else that um, <laughs> we don't always see in the world today. And, but Jesus died, made a payment so that we could walk in it. Adam and Eve walked in intimacy, is the blank there, intimacy with each other that was protected by covenant. Adam and Eve were literally naked, so they didn't have secrets from one another. It was all, it was all readily apparent, you could say. Intimacy is about, is about being naked, not just literally, but being honest, being real, being authentic with, with one another. And biblically, intimacy is only supposed to happen inside of covenant, inside of a committed, healthy relationship. And that's because that's the only way it's safe. Because, because if, I'm, if I'm trying to be intimate with somebody that I can't trust... That's inviting all kinds of pain and danger into my life, right? So Adam and Eve were in this covenant relationship, and I want to read this scripture to you. It's fascinating. So God created man in his own image. This is Genesis 1:27. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So God, God made man and woman. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So he says, okay, Adam and Eve, you're together in intimacy, covenant, have some kids, and then what will happen as a result of that? And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Out of, number one there, out of this intimacy and covenant flowed the ability to have authority and govern the earth. Heaven's government is family. The way heaven organizes things, the way heaven governs things, the authority structures that heaven believes in are families. The, the first institution that God created when he created Adam and Eve, before he created the church, before he created any other system of government, he, he got a... a, a, a Adam and Eve and their kids, and he said, here is the authority structure from which I want you to govern the earth. Buddy, with me so far. So, so what that means is that part of Adam and Eve's ability, so they, they lived in a, in a garden on a specific part of the earth. The garden didn't cover the whole earth because he said, he said, fill the whole earth. So the idea is, as they take care of the garden, as they steward well God's kingdom, it'll spread over the whole earth. It's a, it's a prophetic picture of what the church is supposed to do. But how does that happen? He says, the way you're supposed to have authority and extend the dominion of, of my kingdom is through covenant relationships. It's, it's through intimacy protected by covenant. It's through family. Family's the basis of God's kingdom. It's his authority structure. Well, 
how many of you know that things didn't go so well for, for Adam and Eve? <laughs> they sinned. And I want to talk to you about the fact that sin brought three curses into the earth that they've hindered our intimacy with one another. And therefore, they've hindered our ability to govern the way that God does. If I can't be connected relationally to my wife and to you guys in the church, if I can't be in a covenant and have intimacy with you, that hinders our ability as a church to influence the earth. Thank you, buddy. So let's see what happened in the way that, that the devil brought uh, this division, essentially, into humanity. Three things happened. Look at Genesis 3.16. So Adam and Eve fell, and then God said to Eve, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In sorrow you'll bring forth children... And your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. He'll rule over you. Now, what does that mean? It says this is, this is the result of sin. So did God create Adam and Eve where, where Adam was the boss and Eve had to do everything she said? Is that how it was originally created? No, that happened because of sin. It was a curse that occurred. So if you look up the original Hebrew language, when it talks about how God created Eve, it says he created her a helper meet for Adam. A helper, now we've, we've butchered that, and we've said, well, you're a good help meet. That's, that's, meet isn't a noun. I'm sorry, I'm an English teacher. Meet's an adjective. Okay, it's not, it's, what it's saying is, if you look it up, it's a power facing Adam. So God creates Adam. He makes, her, he makes him powerful. And then he creates his equal counterpart, Eve, and she can look at him straight in the face and essentially tell him when he's wrong <laughs> because she's got an opposite perspective. So God created these equal partners, and from that intimacy and partnership, they're meant to govern the earth. But then they sinned, and it created this division where now women were subservient to men and this is a great hindrance for, for huge portions of the church history. Uh, a, a wrong understanding of these concepts have prevented women from being involved in their destiny. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, but that's not, so this is, this is, in my opinion, where sexism first entered society. And sexism is an ill. So you're blank there, the curse of sexism. But that's not the only division and problem that we face. Turn over to Genesis 9. Now, after the flood of Noah, Noah gets drunk and he's, he's naked in his room. And his son Canaan goes in there and sees him and thinks it's funny and goes and tells his brothers. And so basically he's making fun of his dad. From this, it's a good lesson to learn that you want to cover the, the embarrassing stuff your, your fathers do. You don't want to expose it and mock it uh, to people. But anyway, as a result of that, in, in verse uh, 26, or excuse me, verse 25, um, 9.25, Noah says to Canaan, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. 
What does this mean? So God created all people, and we're all equal, right? But then Canaan does this thing, and these, these are from these guys essentially descended all the people that are alive now because Noah's family are the only people that were left right after the flood. And so, so he says, Canaan, your descendants are going to serve your brethren. This is where slavery and classism entered into society. Everybody, everybody see that? He's not, he's not just talking about Canaan. When the Bible talks about things like this, he's not talking about Canaan, the individual. He's talking about that, that his descendants would be subservient to uh, the other brothers in the same way that women were subservient to men. So this is where the curse of classism, let her be there, entered society. So sexism is when I, I don't value people because they have a g- different gender than me. Or I look at women or, and I think, well, you don't have any value. Or women, you look at men and you think, well, they don't know what they're doing. Okay, and, and we probably don't. But anyway, <laughs> <coughs> classism is when I look at somebody of a different socioeconomic class, whether it's above me or below me, and, and I don't value them and I'm angry and have bitterness in my heart towards them because they're part of a different class than, than me, okay? That's what he's talking about here. That's not the only problem. Genesis 11. I have to hurry here. Verses 6 through 9. So at the Tower of Babel, all the people were one language, and they were going to build this idolatrous tower. And in verse 6, the Lord said, Behold, the people is now one They all have one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Let us go down and confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad, thence into all the face of the earth. This is where different races come from, and division begins to come in because of race and culture and language. You see these different splinterings that are happening. So man and women uh, in the garden were created to be in intimacy and covenant and unity with one another. But as sin kept happening, there kept being these splinters and things that divided us. And so now, not only are we divided sometimes one gender against another, sometimes uh, one class against another, but how many of you know sometimes some race against another? And all of that stuff, we've got to understand, is a curse. It's not how God created us, let her see the curse of racism, sexism, classism, racism. In addition to this, if those weren't enough problems, uh, we won't turn there in the interest of time, but Jesus said in Mark 18, 8, 15, to beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So we've got all these differences, different gender, class, race. Is it inherently bad that there's differences? Of course not. Jesus made us that way. The problem is when we begin to hate one another because of those differences. Right? right? right. What causes us to do that? Well, the devil released these two spirits, the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of Herod is the political system. The leaven of the Pharisees is the religious system. So the political system, or political spirit, teaches you to fear each other or to fear men. 
it's, it's, I got to be careful what I say, how I act, what I think about, because I don't want to be rejected by so-and-so. It's that thing that gripped you as you walked down the halls of your high school and you thought, I don't know that I'm dressed the right way. All right, it's, the, it's, <laughs> it's, it's this fear that I can't be myself and be accepted. And, and that is a major hindrance to intimacy. Yes, yes. Now understand, intimacy and covenant are the very thing that the kingdom is supposed to be built on. Amen. Come on now. So that's why Jesus said it's such a big deal that you beware of this whole political thing, yes. which seeks to divide you, because in your division, you won't be well equipped to do what I've called you to do. That's why Paul counseled the Corinthian church, and he said, he said I heard you're still carnal. I heard, I heard you, were, you were arguing about who your favorite teacher was. I heard some of you talking in the hall, and you were saying, you were saying well, Pastor Greg sure is a better teacher than, than Pastor Max. I wish he'd come here all the time. And the Bible says, says no, uh, I'm just teasing, but, but the Bible says thinking that way and dividing along those lines, that stuff is... is carnal. Now, we got to be careful. It's not, I'm not saying that, that we just agree with everybody about everything or that we, we throw out biblical values or anything like that. I'm not saying that. Right. But I'm saying that, that um, we don't want to di- divorce or divide from people because we're afraid of rejection. Amen, amen. The next one, the religious spirit teaches us to fear being wrong. God spoke to me, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago and said the religious spirit has to be right. That's the defining characteristic of religion. I got to be right. So anytime you're, you're driven by this, in an argument or whatever situation, you're driven by this pressing need to make sure that you win the argument or that you prove that you are right. You are probably... <laughs> Entering into an an agreement with a religious spirit. And if you do that, the Bible says that hinders your intimacy with other believers, which then hinders your ability to effectively govern the earth. So, letter five, number five, we fear rejection and sometimes we fear being wrong. How many of you will admit, it's not like, you know, we, we can feel those things? Yeah. And thus, what do we do? Well, we reject and we demonize people in other groups preemptively in order to defend ourselves from them. So, so I'm afraid you won't like me, so I'm going to go ahead and not like you first. <laughs> that's, that's what we do. All right. Now, here's what I want to show you. This, this I, didn't, I, I understood all that, and I knew these verses, but I'd never seen them quite so plainly. I'm going to read you two verses really quickly. Galatians 3, 28. So remember, we've got, we've got sexism, we've got classism, and racism. Notice Genesis 3. Actually, we'll start at verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ... There is therefore neither Jew nor Greek. There is no racism. There is neither bond nor free. There is no 
classism. There is neither male nor female. There is no sexism. For you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. What did Jesus do for us? He brought us back to the garden. Turn over to Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 18. For he is our peace. Jesus is our peace, our uniter, who has made both made of both one. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. And he's broken down the middle wall of partition between us. What's that mean? There was this wall of hatred between me and other groups, between you and other groups. I don't know what the, what the group, what the difference is, but he's broken it down. It says he's abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained an ordinance for to make of himself of the twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Listen, in the same way that Jesus killed your sin nature, in the same way that Jesus destroyed and got rid of all your sin, in that very, very same way, Jesus on the cross killed these forces that divide us. Letter A, there was enough power released on the cross to end racism, sexism, and classism. Now, I'm aware, <laughs> I'm aware that this hasn't fully manifested yet, just like not everybody's saved. But was there enough power for everybody to be saved? Is there enough power for us to walk in unity? This hasn't fully manifested yet the same way that not everyone is saved, Letter B, we get to partner with God to bring an end to these evils. Well, that's exciting, I think, anyway. How do we do that? Well, that's probably a whole other series, but in the short, we do this by, first of all, recognizing that the good news that Jesus has undone these curses. He undid the curse in the garden after the flood and at Babel. He, didn't, he, he ended that stuff. In Joel 2, the Bible says, I'm going to pour out my, my spirit on all flesh. And then he says, your sons and your daughters. Why, is he, why does he say that? Well, because in the Old Testament, it was really rare for it to be a woman. There's like just a couple that I could name to you. But, but now it's on everybody. And then he, he also says, you know, it's all flesh. So it doesn't matter. In you know, the Old Testament, it was just the Israelites. Now, I don't know. I don't know anybody. Maybe somebody's in here Jewish, but most of us are Gentiles. So without that promise, you and I don't have the Holy Spirit. So we're really thankful for what Jesus did in breaking down this wall of, of petition. So we first of all recognize that these things are done. And so we quit hating each other because of, of these differences. And we quit, we quit disqualifying people from being involved in things because they're different than us. And then we actively seek to walk in covenant and intimacy with people in the body of Christ who are different from us. I love this last point. The kingdom isn't built on great systems. I'm thankful for great organizational systems. We're always trying to improve how we do things. 
I lay awake at night worrying about systems, but the kingdom is not built on systems, nor is it built on cool marketing. I thank God for uh, Casey and Tim. They make us look good with all the graphics and everything. I mean, it, if it was just me doing all this, there would be a very slim cool factor. <laughs> just, just being real with you, okay? But, but the kingdom is not built on cool marketing. And I'm thankful for good teaching. I like to teach the Bible, if you haven't noticed. But the kingdom, it, it's, it's helped and it's empowered by good teaching. But it's, it's not built on that. That's not the foundation. The foundation it's built on are covenant relationships. Covenant relationships, that's your blank, that can bear the weight of the authority God wants to bestow on them. Going back to the garden, God created this man, Adam, and this woman, Eve. And he said, out of intimacy and covenant, have dominion over the whole earth. The Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. It calls us the bride of Christ. And then he says, listen, in intimacy and covenant, come together in partnership. Come together with one another and come together with my son and exercise dominion, extend the realm of my kingdom over the whole earth. What is the gospel? The gospel is the amazing, incredible good news that your sins are forgiven, that you're a new creation, that you're right with God, and also the incredible good news that you are not divided from the brothers and sisters around you. Even if you look different, think different, whatever. If you're in Christ, the Bible says you are one body. And Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of partition. That, that encourages me. Because I don't, I don't know everything that God has planned um, for these last days. But years ago, when I was, I was um, probably 13, 14, I had a conversation with a really good friend of mine. Who's, who's gone on at the time. I haven't talked to him much lately, but he went on to become a Catholic priest. And if you understand, Catholics are part of the same body as, as us, okay? And so he was a, he's a priest. And, you know, he said, he said you know, we, we believe that, that as, as time wears on that there's going to be a, a coming together, a, a unification of the body of Christ. And, um, you know, I thought, I thought he meant at the time that... that you know, we were all going to go become Catholic. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. But I, I, was, I was focusing on our, on our differences, on the things that, that divide us. And we had that same conversation years later. And we, we came together and we said, you know, we believe, we both believe this is going to happen. And, and that there's going to be a, a unifying that occurs in the body of Christ. And, and I said, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. And, and he said, I don't know either. And we were both able to agree that it probably looks different than maybe either of us thought. But not that we, not that we give up the things that, that make us unique, that, that are our piece of the kingdom to manifest, but that we learn to honor what other people are doing, that they have value too. 
And really, what God wants to do in the earth is, is built on our ability to have those kinds of relationships where there are differences that are honored, where there's intimacy protected by our commitment to one another. Amen. 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 Well, let me, well, let's all stand up. I forgot what I was doing. Let's all stand up. If my prayer team could come down here. I'm going to pray for everybody. If you need personal prayer uh, on the sides here in just a moment, we'll have prayer ministers that would love to pray with you. We're so thankful for what God's doing here. We believe that uh, the glory of God's here. So if you have a problem, Jesus is the answer. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, if you've never made him Lord of your life, today's your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You can come down and pray and receive Jesus. If you need healing or you need any other kind of um, thing prayed for, just come on down and receive from God. I'm going to pray for everybody and we're going to sing one more song. Father, we just thank you for your glory, for your goodness. Thank you for what you did on the cross that you forgave our sins and that because of that the division was erased by your glory. We just, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name.